0: we're starting a new series today called Make, and one of the things my wife and I have made in the past few months is a baby. We made a baby, and, <laughs> and he's a beautiful baby. Our second, or our first baby, he turns three today, and here's the thing about having babies is that they look like you. So for all of you people who, who kind of, I know there's a lot of women, see that's, that's me and Beckett. Is that crazy? How much we look alike. Um, And I can't wait for when I have a grandson and we can do the third one. So it'll be a picture of a picture of a picture. So I'm just stupid like that. I think that far advanced. And then Camden looks so much like Taryn. We just saw this picture this weekend. He looks so much like her. Obviously, no bow in his hair, bow tie instead. Um, But they look so much like, and I know a lot of women have this fear, uh, especially I think women, guys probably do too, that their baby will be ugly. But, But here's the thing you're not ugly. You're not ugly, cause your babies end up coming out looking like you, or, or your your husband, or or you know someone else in your family, and I, I feel like I do this to people all the time when I meet them. We were sitting at dinner the other night, and I was like, babe, who does he look like? That guy looks like somebody. Do you ever do that? You're just constantly when you meet someone, like, oh, you look like so and so, and I get a lot of these random ones, like, oh, you look like so and so. I remember when you first met me, uh, and you came, you're like, you kind of got this Kurt Cobain look going and And then I, I had another somebody stopped me while I was mowing. they're like "You look like Nate Burkus, and I've gotten Dirk Spentley. and you 've probably gotten this i've probably said, "Hey, you look like so and so because I do this all the time, but that's just kind of the nature of life uh, some Some of you are familiar with the term doppelganger it 's like who you look like it's kind of an old term that kind of got brought back in social media about a year ago but that 's kind of where I wanted to start today with this idea of um being birthed and who you look like in your family or friends or maybe somebody said some random person you've never heard of that you look like. You know, you get that often. I feel like I do that all the time. But I I wanted to start today by looking at at Genesis and really that we are made in the image of God. And I I won't spend my entire time there, but that's where I want to start is in Genesis. And so the next four weeks, we're starting this series called Make. And ultimately, what I want us to be just just consumed by is just how great God's love is for us, I, that he has made us in his image, and, and that he's not done working in us, and that because he's made us in his image, he's developing us to better reflect him in his character, not just his image, but in his character in, in, uh, in our lives, and so that's kind of what the next four weeks are going to be about and so uh, it'll kind of have different spins on it each week. So uh, this first week, let's start in Genesis chapter 1. Um, and, and it starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, uh, and, and then later in that verse 1, it says that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God was present and He was hovering over the waters. The roa of God was Present and, and hovering over the waters, and, and so, and, and you look later down in that in that chapter, verse twenty six, and, and God says, "Let us make man. Let us make man in our image." So we see the Spirit of God. For some of you that have trouble just kind of understanding the God, the you know the Trinity and how it all works together, I'll, I'll briefly explain it. But um, it, it's kind of good that you can't figure it out. You know, it's kind of good that you can't get your grasp uh, around how big God is and how He made us in his image, um, but I'll say this, and I've often given very brief descriptions, but I'll say this about the Trinity today, it, it, is that we find um, the, God has a will, God has uh, emotion, God has a spirit, of course the spirit of God was hovering, and so we see all of these things are about us, and the one thing that was kind of missing from that was the physical nature, and that's why Christ came to, to understand to the, the nth degree that he would walk through our pain, walk through our suffering in the physical nature. So everything that we are, he, we're created in his image. Because even God in himself with these three different personalities, some, I heard some people call it like a personality disorder, but I would say he has per- perfect personality order, it, more than what we could ever understand. And we have these different elements that make up us. And the interesting nature as we look at this, I'll just say this about the Bible, is that a lot of our really early kind of understandings for a long time, these were passed down verbally. It was before things were written, so they were passed down verbally. Like the creation story is one of those, and several other texts, they were passed down verbally. And the mind, I feel like, back then was so much, even if you look in the New Testament, um, priests and people that wanted to kind of walk in that pattern, they would memorize the scriptures. Like, they would memorize entire books. I, there's a guy um, that I've met, and he's just an incredible man. He, The, the, the uh, uh, affiliation of the Church of God that, that we're affiliated with, he's the head of it. And he has, like, photographic memory, and he can just quote, like, chapters and books. I mean, just literally, he has, like, what they did then, his mind just confused can be that full I feel like this morning I was thinking I'm like my brain is so full right now I just need to like empty some of it out but he has that ability to just memorize scripture and that's kind of what they did so that's how it got passed on these creation stories um, so I, I think we understand that and we see this let us make mankind in our image let in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move Move along the ground. I really want to focus on this idea of image, B- because here's the thing: my son is is looks so much like me, and I look so much like my dad, and, and you probably look like your mom or dad or, or, or you know someone in your family. And the thing is, is you can't take that image off of you. Like just because you mess up doesn't mean you're not created in His image. And we're gonna see a New Testament scripture. That's going to speak to that. And so there's different levels of this. And, and so don't rush to judgment about what I'm trying to say here theologically. Let me, let me, let me drop the whole message on you, and then it'll make more sense. But, and I, I think this means a lot to God. I think that's why we see in, in Genesis 9. I mean, so by um, chapter 3, verse 6, we see that man has fallen already. We've already disobeyed God. We're already kind of disobeying. When the woman saw the fruit and the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye... And also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And obviously they had disobeyed God. God said, you know, eat from this tree, don't eat from this tree. And so, uh, again, by this point, and, and so this is the part where we see the decay of, of our humanity. That really, at this point where they cut, they, they're naked and they realize that they're naked after they disobeyed God and their shame they covered themselves. And so we're going to see that come up again in this New Testament passage we're going to go to here in just a minute. But I think the image of God is so important um, uh, to, to God that, that we are creating his image. That's why we see in chapter 9, verse 6 of Genesis that, um, that God says, you know, if anyone you know sheds the blood of another man, I want, I want their blood shed. And so, again, don't rush to judgment what I'm saying here. But that's what the Scripture says. Some of you guys will know this um, as an eye for an eye or Hammurabi code or, or anything like that. It's eye for an eye. This was kind of like common practice. And we see it in, 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 the, um, in, in the Ten Commandments, that thou shalt not kill. You know, you've heard that before. It's common law, common practice. And what is at the essence of what God's saying here is that it is unacceptable for you to to take... The, People that were created in my image and devalue them by killing them as if they don't matter. And for some of us, we do that even with ourselves. And I think that that's really where God wants us to start is that we indeed were created in his image. And when we realize that we were created in his image and how that begins to transform us, we slowly begin to see that that person was made in his image. And this New Testament passage we're going to look at in just a second begins to talk about how we used to view Christ and how we used to view other people and how those play into viewing people in the image of God. And so Christ will fulfill this, the, the true heart of God. He'll reveal the true heart of God in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. So some of you guys that want to live by the Old Covenant, eye for eye, Jesus has cha- he's changed that code, okay? And he said, bless those that curse for you. Pray for your enemies. I would never see Jesus taking someone's eye. He said, in fact, if your eye is given, um in, in the way of you, he said, you take care of yourself. You pluck it out. You know? So he's just kind of using these really intense ideas to to say that um, to, to protect the image that he's created um, us to be. And so I want to move to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to work our way through the first five verses and a little further. But ultimately, I think we have to begin with the, that we are created in God's image. We're created in his image, and, and, and that his, his personal nature, that everything that God does in Father, Son, Holy Spirit is personal. God, even if he feels distant to you, even if you feel, like, just so, like, you can't even, you can't reach God, you can't, you can't talk to him, he is personal. Like, everything about God is personal, and he cares for you because he made you, because he breathed life into you, and he's created you in, not in somebody else, in his image, in your very being, and I think this is Tough for us to understand it and and grab a hold of. And I think that's fantastic because the moment that we begin to think we have a grasp uh, uh, on the understanding of God, the Trinity, how it's all woven together, the moment we do, we, we begin to just, I think, devalue God and His significance becomes less in our minds. We have a lower view of God because now we can control Him, now we can contain Him, now we can understand Him. But if you ever want to have a relationship with the one true living God, you, you have to approach that I will never, let me use this, fathom or understand how great you are. I, I, I always joke I should get extra points every time I use that. You guys would get really tired of it. I actually try to not use it because I feel like it, it sounds corny when I say it because that's the name of our community. So, um, so we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So one of my favorite texts in, in scripture. I mean, I've got I've got so many. I feel like every time I do that, this is one of my favorites. I, I, I love the scripture. And it's so beautiful, and, and this one's really beautiful. And I think it it speaks to the image of God and, and reveals it to, at a whole another level for the New Testament. Uh, and and if you're looking to do some extra study on this this week, Second Corinthians chapter three and four. Just Really, you could read just 1 through 5 and just dig in here. 2 Corinthians 3 is amazing to just help understand what this means um, a a little bit deeper. But let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to work our way through the first five verses and skip towards the end just for time's sake. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God... It doesn't say when our earthly tent is destroyed. It says our earthly tent is destroyed. It is destroyed. That, it, it's, it's as, you're as good as dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're as good as dead. Every, here's the bad news this morning, okay? I'm going to give you a lot of good news. Here's the bad news. Is that you're going to die. You guys knew that already? You, you knew that? Sorry, is that really depressing? We're, we're all going to die, okay? We're all going to die. Our bodies are slowly decaying, and we may work on them and try to prolong our certain deaths, but because of, of what happened at the fall of man, we are slowly decaying, every single one of us, especially with the things we eat in America. <laughs> we're, we're just expediting the process. That, that, that's, that's why church folks are often the, the most... Um, unhealthy, right? We just want to get closer to Jesus. We just want to, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Getting ourselves there faster. We're on the fast track. Um, uh, We'll we'll preach another message on that one day, but it is destroyed. It's not going to be, it is destroyed, but we have this building from God, an eternal house in heaven, an eternal dwelling. A lot of times we get focused on mansions and houses and diamonds and stuff in heaven, but it's there's another text that's just going to kind of put all that to rest, I think, in this, in this chapter. It's not about how, It's about dwelling with Christ. It's about dwelling with our Father, not built by human hands. Let's keep going. Meanwhile, we groan, we're longing to be clothed. Do you see the reference? You see the reference to the fall of man, what happened in their sin. They were ashamed and they covered themselves because they were, God created them naked. There was no reason. There was nobody else. No reason for them to wear clothes. So when my son gets out of the, the bath at night, he's, of course, naked, as you are when you get out of the bath. And he goes running. And it's just like I've never seen someone have more freedom. He's just like, yeah, just like running all over the house. And we used to play this game. We haven't played it much lately, but we'd play hide and seek every night when he gets out of the bath. So mom would be finishing up the bath and dad would go off to hide. Um, and, and we'd play this game. And I, I wish I had this video. It's just the cutest thing in the world, but it would be like child porn in, the, in uh, here. and we're, We'll never do that, okay? That'll never happen here. Uh, don't, you know, I don't, whatever. You guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> that was not in my message notes. But, uh so, <laughs> so he gets out, and he comes running, and he's trying to find, and he, he, he's walking around, and he's going, da-da, da-da, and then he'll find, and he's looking all over, and uh, Taryn will be like, is he in there, and he'll open, no, is he in here? No, and he's just running around looking, and I'm usually hiding in a closet somewhere else because I can't fit anywhere else. So i in the closet, and he finds me eventually, and then he's just, ah, and he goes running around. He's naked, and he's, he's, he's not ashamed of his, his nakedness, and there's that innocence as a child, and I think we see a lot of the beauty of God's creation and probably how Adam and Eve were before that. But meanwhile, we groan, and some of us think this is all about pain, Longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. But I think this is as much about just having a relationship. Like you would long to be some, with someone. I mean, Taryn and I, we, we did long distance for two years. Um, while I was finishing up school, she was teaching in Clearwater. We were nine hours apart and it was hard. It was very hard. But I thank God for it. It made us a better couple. <clears throat> but I just remember, we, we were just always just longing just to be with each other. And it was just the best when you could just be together. And I think this is what it is in our relationship with Christ. We're not longing for houses or for just to get, like to to escape from our problems, but but just to be with Christ. To be with Christ. Let's continue. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. That seems like an obvious statement. Uh, Verse 4 For while we are in this tent, this earthly body, we groan and we are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I think that is so powerful so that what is mortal, what is decaying in our bodies, what is decaying in our thought patterns and our habits, what is decaying in our relationships and I feel like some of our our marriages, some of our relationships, some of our relationships with our kids, some of our, our work lives just feel so mortal and like they just get worse every single day. But I think God's prayer for us, and I think what Paul's saying here, is that it may be swallowed up by life. That we might know the fullness not in some other you know house, but we would know it right now and a lot of people think that just like life as a Christian is just suffering and it's and it's not, and some people think it's like no suffering, but it is suffering and it's the fullness of life in the midst of in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your suffering, and you may be in that place right now, you're suffering with something going on, and my prayer for you today is that somehow your marriage, your work life, your physical pain would be swallowed up by the life that Christ has for us. And ultimately, we know that the very end of this passage um, is actually next verse. Let's just go there before I explain it. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose, for what purpose? To be swallowed up by life. He fashioned us to know that life, For this purpose is God who has given us the Spirit as a deposit. I love that. Guaranteeing what is to come. These are like financial terms. He's like, I'm putting a down payment on your house for you. And the Spirit, and a lot of us get very excited by uh, moments in which we've experienced the presence of God in very real, tangible ways. And some of us have struggled to ever feel God in a tangible way. But I'll just tell you this. If you've been in this journey and you're just very new in your relationship with Christ and there's so much excitement and probably anxiety, you know, you feel kind of his spirit just kind of guiding you and his presence with you. And you're kind of filled with joy. Or maybe you've been in this thing with Jesus for like 70 years and you may have felt like he's just been dwelling with you. We know in such a small part the glory of God right now. We know such a small part. It's just a deposit of what it will look like and what it'll feel like um, when we're in his presence. I mean, fully, like his kingdom has come presence. I mean, he's just guaranteeing what is com- what is to come. He has fashioned us. So l- let's just break this down for a second. You're made in his image to know life, to know it to the fullest in the, in the midst of our pain. We're going to go down, I think it's to verse 16, and this is really we're going to We're going to land today and just kind of wrestle through for a moment. Remember, I I referred to this a second ago. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Just think for a second. How did you used to view Christ? How do you view Christ now? Maybe at one point you really saw him as really Lord, as Savior, as having who you would run to. Maybe you saw him at one point as a joke. Maybe you saw him at one point as just a religious figure. Maybe you just saw him on jewelry. How did you used to view him? Did you used to view him as homeboy and now you view him as savior? Did you used to view him as as figure and now he is, you know, fantastic to you? I don't know. Like, what? what's that transition happening in your life? I think for most of us, there's been some kind of transition, but the amazing thing that happens, and I can say this in my own life, as Christ, as I begin to see a clearer picture of Christ, and he changed my view of him just through his incredible love, I begin to view others differently. And I think that's what this is saying here, and it's going to be important the further we go into this text. So verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here, the new creation has come. When we talk about creativity, it's our fourth core value here, when we talk about creativity, we're not just talking about the arts, we're talking about this right here, that the new creation has come, God birthing life, because the creator that created you in his image is not done creating. He's not done creating new life in you, in the person sitting next to you, in the person that lives lives next to you, that works in the cubicle next to you. He's not finished creating new life. He wants to swallow it up. He wants to swallow up the old. And I love this part. The old has gone. I I actually prefer the translations because I think they're more legit that say the old has passed away. Some of you guys will be more familiar with that. The old has passed away. And the thing of about the old passing away, and I'm not going to get into a big kind of metaphysical kind of understanding of is the future moving or is the past moving? We're not going to get into that, but I will say this. A lot of us are running from old patterns, decaying habits, decaying lifestyles, thought patterns. Some of us are doing our best to, to run from this, but we don't feel like the, 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 the old life is, le- is left behind. We don't feel like the past is really the past, And I think that has more to do with us not moving forward than it does our past not going away. I think it has more to do with us moving. Your past will move if you're moving forward. Your past will, you're literally passing by it because you're moving forward. And you think of that, if this is a place you used to live, when you pull out and you leave, and I said this in our our last uh, series, that you'll never go anywhere if you never leave anywhere sounds so deep but it's just very simple it's it sounds almost ignorant it's so simple like you'll never go anywhere if you don't leave anywhere and some of this can just be the most practical thing we've ever learned in our life just to move on if you really want the past to be the past you've got to move on if you really want to move on from that way you used to view Christ the way you used to view yourself not creating His image you've got to move on you've you've got to start new patterns. You've got to start the new lifestyle because the new creation has come, the old is gone. The new is here. Verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us, us to himself. This term reconciled is going to be one that we talk about here for a few minutes. But he reconciled us not to a a, a new city, or to a new place, or to paradise, he reconciled us to himself, like that is what is most important, is that we are reconciled to him, that through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, so not only did he reconcile us, but he's given us something, of ministry, okay, so let's break down this term reconciliation, because this can like get weird, and you're like, reconciliation, you know, I don't hear that. Term a whole lot, but literally, what it means is to exchange. It means to exchange. It's exchanging debt for inheritance. Some of you may ha- remember the show um, Extreme Home Makeover. Some of you guys remember that show? Not too long ago, my wife loved it. I hated it. I'll tell you why I hated it. Don't don't throw darts at me. I'll tell you why I hated it. Because I hate you know I hated crying at the end. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I probably cried at the beginning and I cried at the end, right? So I always try to avoid, you know, she wanted to catch it, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go do anything else. Um, but there's this moment, so that they, for the, everybody know the show, or do, do I need to explain? They build a house for people in seven days, pretty crazy, it's a cr- crazy feat, but they do it, the show's not on anymore, but they would begin to kind of build a house for people, and after seven days, they get this big reveal, right? And that's what everybody's, um, you know, waiting for. And they pull a bus up, and then it's, move, can you say it with me? Move that bus. Move that bus. Everybody's really excited about it. And that's the part, like, before they even show the family's face, or the house, you're already crying. Like, you know how it is? And, and so just the whole time through the house, you're like, oh my gosh, the kids are so excited. They're running around. They're so excited about everything that's happening. And it's just kind of this tearjerker moment. They're going they're seeing every single part of the house and it's just like, wow, wow, wow. And we're just kind of, you know, snotting and all that good stuff. And, and at the end of it, as if the new house isn't enough, you know, Ty gets up there and he's like, He's like, so, hey, we know you had a mortgage on your other house, so we got together, and we paid off your mortgage, and everybody's like, yeah, and they're just like, oh, you know, and like just getting now breaking down, and it's this whole deal, and they're like, as if that wasn't enough, these guys have decided to pay for all your kids' college, and it's like just more <laughs> tears, more snot, I mean, you've got to have a, you know, Kleenex box on hand, but it's just like over and over again, but I think that says what this whole this reconciliation, God has has exchanged our debt to him and our sin for the inheritance we have in him. He's exchanged our old for the new. He's exchanged our decaying patterns to be swallowed up by life. And we are, mo- we are moved by so many things. We're constantly posting things that move us, right? On social media, there's constantly a video. Oh, did you guys see that video? wait a second, like what Christ did for us spiritually, like did, did you did you see that scripture? <laughs> Exchange. Exchange. And that's not the end of the story. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. To help people understand that you can, I, I know you're struggling, like, and I'm going to be here with you in your struggle. The Spirit's going to help me just comfort you in this. But you can exchange this old stuff and it can be swallowed up by life. That's the ministry he's given us. You may look to people like me and say, well he's in ministry and I'm in full time ministry. But we're all in ministry. We talked about this the last week? Last week, yeah. That we are all a royal priesthood. We're chosen. God wants to use you. And it's just simply introducing the, the ministry of exchange, of reconciliation, to trade the debt for the inheritance. Verse 19. We've got a couple more verses, and we're wrapping. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, committed to us, the ministry, or the message, the logos, of reconciliation. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. I heard this, this story recently about um, a couple named Alan and Maureen Greaves. They live in the UK. Some of you may have heard this story. I think they've got a picture up there for us. Alan and Maureen Greaves. They live in the UK, and um, Christmas Eve a year ago, Alan was, they were cr- committed Christians. He was going to play organ at, the, at a midnight mass, And on the way there, walking, and he gets murdered by two thugs, just viciously, brutally, for no reason. Just sweet old man. They just said he was so compassionate. I mean, you can just kind of see it in the guy's face. Like, that's a nice guy. I'd like to just talk to him. He seems like a really sweet guy. And uh, just like a, I mean, you can just kind of see what a beautiful couple. They've got four kids. He's just violently murdered on the side of the road by just two street guys, 20 years old. Just wanted to... uh, had it in mind to kill somebody that night. So you can't imagine the grief that she's going through in this moment. And they go through the trial. It's a really long trial, a painful trial, as you can imagine. And, and she comes out and she does this just kind of speech to kind of close and just present, you know, thanking people for their prayers and you um, can't imagine the pain I'm going through. But she closes it with basically, and I'll just give you a summary of it, she basically closes it. by She calls these two young men by name, and she goes, I I want them to know the love and kindness that we have in our God. She said, I want them to know the love and kindness that we have in our God, and more than anything, that they were made in the image of God, And, and, and that his spirit and his love would draw them to true Repentance. Just, she she didn't want, she didn't really care about the trial, I think. I think ultimately she just wanted them to know the love and kindness of Jesus. And if you go back to that verse, not counting people's sins against them, what Christ does for us when we make the exchange, it's powerful. Go to verse 20. Go to verse 20 with me. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I love this. We're Christ's ambassadors. He's committed this message to us as though God were making his appeal through us. And and, and while immediately you think, oh, Kyle, you're making the appeal right now to us. He's making his appeal through you and through you and through you. He's making it through us. I think this message is one that will immediately begin to think of everyone else. We'll think, that person's made in God's image. God's really doing something in their life. Oh, that person has a ministry of reconciliation. Us. Us. Let us create mankind in our image. Let us. Let us be Christ's ambassadors. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. He made Christ who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become, we might be made into the righteousness, the right thinking and the right actions like Maureen does and embodies that as Christ's ambassadors. The message and the ministry of reconciliation is what we are called to. God has committed that to us. He's committed us that message. I want to ask you to stand with me today. And you you may be here um, today and God may, sp- may be speaking to you and you've never made that exchange. And I believe today can be that day to make that exchange. There's probably nothing physically tangible to make that exchange. But spiritually, you may be feeling all of the baggage, all of the weight. And you may just need to to make that exchange today. Just as simple as it can be, committing yourself, and calling him Lord and Savior today. Do you guys have that Psalm 139 up there? Do you guys have that? As we close today, I just want us to read and be moved by Psalm 139. How God's created us today. We're gonna pray. For the director of music of David, Absalom. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with All of my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, God. Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them? They would outnumber the grains of sand when I awake and I am still with you. If only God, you'd slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not Hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I pray right now over these people that you would search us God, and we would search ourselves and just realize today that you've created us. You knit us together in our mother's womb. God, you know that the end from the beginning, God. God, and I pray that our decaying patterns, our decaying thoughts would just be swallowed up by life today. I pray for those that have never experienced your love today would cross that line. God, I I pray for those that have been running from your presence. God, I pray that they would embrace your presence today. In this place and everywhere else, you cannot run from the presence of God. God, I pray that we would all all understand that we weren't just given the opportunity for reconciliation, but we were given the ministry of exchange, the ministry of reconciliation. Help us to live that. Help us to embody that. That we are created beautifully and others were too. We love you, Christ. Let's worship together. This is the moment in our service in which we're reminded what Christ did for us, that he became sin. He was perfect and flawless. And we're brought to the place, I believe, of repentance to drawing close to the heart of God. That's why we do this every week. It's not just a habit. It's not just because someone said to do it. Thank God I think knew exactly what he was doing when Christ spoke that. Do this every time you gather together because I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to forget. Remember this. Remember what I did for you. Remember my sacrifice. Remember that this isn't the last time that we'll be together. I would just pray in this next moment that you would just pray that God search me. Oh, God, know my anxious thoughts. God, know. God, you see me as I am. Test me, God. See if there's any wicked way in us. I pray that you would do that as you come to the table, and we would just be purified in his presence today and be moved and drawn closer to be made into his righteousness. The tables are open today. I just pray that we would embody the church as we come and we fellowship from one cup and from, from one loaf today. We thank you, Christ. The tables are open.